Christians from this, Lord. And we thank you so much for it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one thing that's really easy to pick out is someone that's drunk. I mean, when I, when I work at In-N-Out, I work late nights sometimes, and you get the typical drunk to come in who's staggering around, who's got the bloodshot, glazed-over eyes, who's slurring and mumbling through trying to order something, and then they order it again, uh, not even realizing they ordered it the first time. And, and, and drunks, they can be so easy to spot out sometimes. I mean, uh, I'm sure, uh, I know Dalton's probably seen plenty of them working at In-N-Out with me. And you can pick them out so easy. They, they have something about them that, that can really be spotted. Uh, they, they, the way they walk is different. The way they talk is different. The way they act and just respond with us is different. And it's kind of interesting how the Bible compares being drunk with being filled with the Spirit. There's something different about it. You should be able to tell a difference from that. It shouldn't just be, oh, that person goes to church, so he's obviously filled with the Spirit. He's obviously has the power of God on him because he goes to church. But there should be something different in that person's life. It shouldn't just be uh, just a given that, um, well, that person, they they seem like they're a good guy, so uh, I guess they're probably filled with the Spirit. But, but are there some things that we can tell, some differences with a spirit-filled person, just like there is with someone that is drunk? Is there obvious distinctions between a normal person and someone who has the Spirit of God working in and through them? We, we can see from this passage and, and many other passages in the Bible that we are commanded to be filled with the Spirit of God. But what exactly does that mean? What exactly does being filled with the Spirit even mean? I mean, does it mean that you uh, have this tingly feeling all over your body and you're speaking in tongues? Or maybe you, uh, you uh, have better understanding of, of uh, people trying to talk to you or whatever it might be. What exactly does being with the, filled with the Spirit of God mean? I mean, I know every single person that has trusted Christ as their Savior has the Holy Spirit of God, in them and indwells them. But being filled with the Spirit is something different. It's not just that uh, indwelling that we all experience, but being filled is something different. And uh, there is a parallel in the Scriptures that shows us some, uh, some evidences of being filled with the Spirit, some things that we can tell if someone is filled, if we can tell if we ourselves are filled. And I know if you are filled with the Spirit, you will know. And there are some evidences, and I'd like to read, uh, if you still are open to Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read uh, verse 18 again, we'll read a few verses down. And it says in Ephesians five eighteen, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And you can see here that all those verses are one sentence. In the, um, if, if they're all broken up into different verses, but if you look, they're all divided by semicolons. It's all one thought and one sentence. And then if you open in your Bibles to a parallel passage that speaks of these same things. And it's in Colossians chapter number 3. Colossians chapter number 3, starting in verse 16. And here we see one main 
an ingredient to being filled with the Spirit of God. And in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of I'll do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband, as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives, and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Now we see here, there are three main uh, common th- uh, points between these two passages that speak of being filled with the Spirit, and being filled with the Word of God. The main ingredient to being filled is to be, uh, with the Spirit is to really have the Word of God become a part of your life. Not, not just to read it uh, occasionally, just read it because, oh, I know I'm supposed to read my Bible every day, so I'm going to read for five minutes. I'll read my chapter for the day. But to have the Word of God really become a part of your life. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly with all, in all wisdom to really become a part of your life, and not just to be some duty that we have to read God's Word, but to really have it become a part, to really read it, to meditate upon it, and to memorize God's Word, and to really make it the final authority in our life. Not just to be some duty we have, but to really become part of our life. And as we make God's Word a true part of our life, and it will help us to be filled with the Spirit. And there are three evidences of being filled with spirit and being filled with God's word that are found in these two passages. There are three things that are stated almost identically. It says, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And back in Ephesians it says, uh, it says to be um, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And then in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 20, it says, giving thanks always uh, unto God and our Father in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. And then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then it talks about in verses 18, 19, and 20 in Colossians, that wives to submit, husbands to love your wives and to, children to obey. And back in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about submitting yourselves one to, the, one to another in the fear of the Lord. And we can see here that there are three evidences to being filled with the Spirit of God. And as you have the Word of God truly becoming a part of your life, you will be filled with the Spirit. And you'll have three evidences, just like that drunk person who you can tell that they are drunk. As you are filled with the Spirit, these three evidences will be evident in your life. And you will be able to tell that that person, that yourself, is filled with the Spirit of God. And the first evidence I see is that you will have a musical heart. It it talks about psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. uh, Singing with uh, melody in your heart, with grace in your heart. And we can see uh, we need to have a musical heart. Many times... Music is one of the most important things in people's lives. I mean, this is so evident by uh, the iPod. Almost everyone has an iPod. Almost everyone 
You walk down the street, they got their earbuds in, and they're walking down, and you maybe accidentally bump into someone and say, oh, I'm sorry, and they don't even hear you, they're not even paying attention. Or uh, you're, you're walking down the street, and you just everyone's got these earbuds in their ears. And sometimes it's kind of annoying. I know if I had the money, I'd pick up an iPod too. But it's many times, I mean, music has become such a huge part of our society, of our culture, that everyone has an iPod, has an MP3 player, has some kind of music playing in their head at all times. And tonight, I'm not here to make your standards for music. That's up to you. I'm here to just share with you some things from these passages that show you what music is and shows us what kind of music a spiritful person will have in their lives. First, it talks about types of music. It says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The first type is psalms. And uh, the easiest way to find that is the book of psalms. Uh, the book of Psalms is actually uh, songs and poetry uh, back in the Hebrew language. See, in the English, it doesn't quite come out to uh, music, but in the Hebrew, it was poetry and music. And this is exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about the Psalms. And with the Psalms, we should really have the Psalms become a part of our life. Um, we should try and memorize the Psalms. I mean, the Psalms, they're short, easy verses to memorize, but they're filled with truth. They're filled with important things that we can apply to our lives. About uh, uh, David, how he's confessing his sins to God. About David just seeing victory in his life through God. About uh, just the trials and tribulations we face. And so many different things are found in the Psalms. And we can learn so much from it if we memorize. And I know many people, uh, a very easy way to memorize is to sing. To sing the Psalms. I know many many people have uh, turned many of the Psalms into songs. And they sing them that way. And it's very easy to memorize when you sing something. And uh, words to songs are sometimes the easiest things to memorize. I know, uh, like my little brother, is really good at memorizing uh, theme songs to just random shows. And it's so easy. I mean, you just, you hear it once and it's just stuck in your head and you can't get it out. And singing is such an amazing way to memorize things. And to memorize the psalms and really make them a part of your life. Another type of music is the hymns. And a way I'll define the hymns are the songs we sing here in church. I mean, the, the great songs of the faith that we sing, like some of the songs we sang uh, just a moment ago, and uh, the song that Christensen sang and others, just have such great truths found in them. And I know I'm guilty of this, is singing the song, but then not really paying attention at all, just kind of going through the motions, and you've kind of got the song. You, you know the song, so you're just kind of singing it, and... and uh, you're not paying attention to a word that's being sung. And many times, we don't pay attention to really what these songs are really saying. They're teaching such great truths. I mean, I think of, uh, it is well with my soul. Uh, some of the, the great truths found in there. It's, um, my sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. And it's just some amazing truths found in these songs. And I want to encourage you to pay attention to these songs and really to, uh, to let these songs become a part of your life and not, not just to sing through them just through the motions and just kind of uh, go through the, the church service because this church service is a time to worship God and not just to go through the motions and to say, I've been to church. But singing is praise to the Lord. And we should really pay attention and let these songs become a true part of our lives. So there's the psalms, there's the hymns, and then there's also the spiritual songs. 
And the spiritual songs, I guess the way I'll define it is the music we have at home. Now, the music we have at home should be reflective of what music really intend, uh, originally was intended to, uh, to be for. And that was to bring praises and glory to God in a God-honoring way. Now, like I said before, I'm not going to come here and make your standards for you of what music you should listen to and what music you shouldn't. But just keep this in mind. The Bible clearly states that music was made to praise God. Music was made to be honoring to Him in a God-honoring way. And our music at home should reflect that. It should reflect what, uh, what music really was intended to be for. And uh, in Psalm 47, uh, verse 7, it talks about, uh, talks about music. It says, For God is the King of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. And going back to talking about the hymns, we should sing these songs with understanding. Some of the doctrinal truths found in these songs, we really should pay attention and let these become, uh, I mean, they can teach us even, because they're truths from God's word, and we should really let the music uh, uh, really affect us and make us and grow us more in the Lord and not draw us farther away from him like much of the music does today. And... uh, not only were our types of music mentioned, but results of music are mentioned also in this passage. Uh, it says in, in Ephesians, it says uh, melody in your heart. And in Colossians, it says grace in your heart. And the first result of music, well, you'll have a melodious heart. Uh, the word uh, melody here, I won't bore you with all the Greek details of it, but the, the word melody here talks about uh, playing a stringed instrument and the, the, the reverberating, the, uh, the vibrations of that, just going over and over again. Just like if you played a guitar, the way a guitar makes noise is you hit the, the strings and they vibrate and make sound. And it, it, this, this word is speaking about just the, the reverberating of that string. And that music should be reverberating in our lives as well. It should be uh, going over and over in our minds. Uh, it should be filling our minds with praises to God. And uh, how many of you have gotten a song stuck in your head that wasn't necessarily a good song? I mean, maybe it was some car driving down the road and you just heard it for a split second and it's just stuck in your head the entire day. I know <laughs> it's happened to me many times. I mean, you would never listen to something like that, but you hear it, just you hear one line of it and throughout the day you're, you catch yourself singing this song and it has... <laughs> It's just a horrible song. And people are like, why are you singing that? I was like, I don't know. It's just stuck in my head. Now, music has a funny way of just getting stuck in our heads. And, and music, it affects our lives. It affects the way we act. It changes our mood. And one good way to keep your, your mind and your thoughts and all focused and clean, all on focused on God, is to get a good song stuck in your head. Every morning, just wake up and start singing a good song. Just start singing, It Is Well With My Soul, or Great Is Thy Faithfulness, or uh, How Great There Are, whatever song it is. But start in the morning just singing a good song. It'll get stuck in your head, and you know what? It's hard to, uh, to think bad thoughts. It's hard not to focus on God. It's hard to uh, stay focused on sin if you're singing praises to God. And one great way is to get, have a melodious heart, get that good stuff stuck in your head so that you're focused on God and praising Him. And then we can also see not only a melodious heart, but a gracious heart. And God gives grace to those that are humble. 
God is a God of grace. By grace are ye saved through faith and not, not of yourselves. God gives us grace. And he is a gracious and awesome God. And in James 4, 6 it says, But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. As you sing these songs, the songs about how great God is, and songs about praising him and staying focused on him and what he would have us to do, it really, if you focus and you pay attention to those songs, they really make you think, wow, how great is our God? And it really humbles us, and God gives more grace to those that are humble. And as we truly humble ourselves before God and see the great works that God has done and sing the praises to God, that will humble us. And as we are humbled, that will, God will give us more grace. And just having the right music, having a musical heart, is the first evidence of being spirit-filled. The second evidence is having a thankful heart. In both passages it says, giving thanks to God and being a thankful person. In 2 Timothy, it speaks of some of the signs of the last days. And one of those signs, I mean, there are signs like there will be murderers and whoremongers, there will be uh, adulterers and adulteresses, and they'll be unthankful. And unthankfulness is one of uh, the most, it's one of the worst things you could do. I mean, being unthankful for somebody doing something out of their way for you and saying, oh, I don't care about that. I'm just going to go on and thanks anyway. And being unthankful is something that truly grieves God. And uh, I mean, the Jews in the wilderness, they grieved God by murmuring and complaining, even though God was doing so much for them. And we need to be a thankful people. Being thankful is a lost uh, courtesy in the world today. I mean, you do something for somebody today, and you're lucky if you just get a a nod of, of, of respect or a nod of, uh, of uh, just recognition that you did something for them. And if you are a thankful person, you'll really stand out in the world today. If, you, if you're thankful, if you, if you write a thank you note to somebody for, for being nice to you or you just take an extra step to be thankful, that really will go a long way. And people will really notice that and they'll see that that, that person has something different in their lives. And we're to be thankful first and foremost to God. And being thankful to God every single time we enter into his presence in prayer. Being thankful to God at all times. In Psalm 95 verse 2 it says, Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. And in Psalm 100 verse 4 it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And we can see that we're to enter into God's presence with thanksgiving. Every time we, we kneel down and pray, we should, we should thank God for the things he's done for us. Thank you, Lord, that I have another day to serve you. Thank you, Lord, that you've blessed me with a house. You've blessed me with a car. I don't have to live on the street, Lord. You've given me food for today. Thank you so much, Lord. Just being thankful for the little things that God's given you. Because God has given us all here. I know for a fact that everyone here has much, much more than most of the people in this world. And it's just such a shame that so many people today are so unthankful for the things that they have. So unthankful to God for blessing them so much. For, I mean, for letting us be born in a country like this. Letting us live in a country like this. Where we have anything and everything we could ever want or desire. 
and not being born in, in a country where we'd be lucky if we got to eat today, or, or being born uh, somewhere where we would never hear of Jesus, or being born somewhere where we have no freedoms. We should be just so thankful that God has done so much in our lives. And coming before God with thanksgiving is not always easy. It's not always easy to be thankful, sometimes for the things that don't necessarily go good in our lives, to be thankful for the things that maybe you wouldn't quite want to happen in your lives. But that's why sometimes the Bible calls it sacrifice. It calls presenting thanksgiving as a sacrifice. In Psalm 116, verse 17, it says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we can see that thanksgiving is a sacrifice. Sacrifices aren't easy to make. A sacrifice is giving something up that you need. (laughs) Something that, that is hard to give up. A sacrifice many times was giving up for the Jews a lamb or, or an ox or something like that that they used for labor, that they used for food, that they used for money. It was a sacrifice to them. And this thanksgiving to God should be the same way. It should be a sacrifice. Sometimes we may not want to give that thanksgiving to God because we're not really excited about what God's doing in our life because it's not the easiest thing in the world or it's not the nicest thing in the world. But we need to be thankful anyways. We need to be thankful to God. And also, as I've alluded to it before, we need to be thankful in everything. We're to be thankful both in the good things and in the bad things. And we all know the verse, and we all know the principle behind it. In 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We, we all know the verse. Be thank- oh, in everything give thanks. I know, I'm supposed to be thankful in everything. But how many of us really live that out in our lives? How many of us are really thankful in everything? How many of us can really say, well, you know what? I was thankful in everything today. Not yesterday, not the day before, but just today. I was thankful in in everything. I mean, I got a flat tire today. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for it. (laughs) Sometimes we say it sarcastically. But we truly should have a heart of thanks. Because you know what? God's working in our lives in ways we don't understand, in ways we can't understand. And uh, many, people, many times people say hindsight is twenty twenty, And at the moment, we don't really understand what God's doing. But when we look back at it a year later, five years later, ten years later, whatever it might be, we really see the working of God in our lives. And we need to be thankful even when bad things happen because we, we don't even need to worry about it. It says in Philippians 4, 6, um, to be thankful uh, to... It says... Here, let me turn to it real quick. It says that we need to be thankful in, in everything. It says, uh, be careful for nothing. And that word, be careful, it means to, to not be anxious about, to not worry about. So don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And that key there is... Uh, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. And we need to be thankful to God in everything, not worry about it. Sure, something that happened in our life may not seem like the best thing. It might not seem like anything could work out in that. But we need to not worry about it and just say, you know what, I'm thankful for it, and God, I know you're going to work something out in that. And we all know the verse, Romans 8.28. Uh, and we know that truth that, you know what, uh, all things work together for good. And we need to be thankful in everything and realize that God will work in and through us. And we've seen two evidences so far. We've seen the, ev- the first evidence of being filled with the Spirit is you'll have a musical heart. 
you'll have a heart that truly has the right music influencing you and leading you closer to the Lord and not farther away from Him. We've also seen the second evidence of being, having a thankful heart. And having a thankful heart in, in being thankful to God and coming before His presence with thanksgiving and not worrying about the bad things that happen, but being thankful in them anyways because we know God will work in and through them. And then finally, we can see uh, the final evidence is to have a submissive heart. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says, uh, submitting yourselves one to another. And we need to be submissive to one another. In, in Colossians, it talks about three different relationships we are to have um, that we are to be submissive in. But the first and foremost person we are to be submissive to is God. We're to be submissive to God um, because he, his authority in our life, we might have other authorities, but his is the first and foremost in our lives. Now, I know sometimes following other authorities in our lives can be hard sometimes. I know uh, at, at my work, uh, sometimes there are managers that haven't even been working at in and out as long as I have. And sometimes you know what works, and they don't know what works. And they tell you, oh, do this and this and this. And you, you think to yourself, well, it's not going to work. It's, I mean, it's just going to slow everything down, and it's just going to be a hassle. But we need to be submissive, and even though it might not always make sense, just say, okay, fine, I'll do it your way. That's fine. And uh, we need to be submissive. And then you think to yourself, oh, yeah, they're going to see how horrible this works out, and then I will rub it in their faces that I told you so. And uh, <laughs> we should not have that kind of a spirit. But, um, but I know many of us know have that happen in our lives where there, we have to submit to authority that may not have it the right way, might not understand really what is going on. But we can understand that God is that authority above all else. God is the authority ab- above uh, our managers. He's above um, whatever other authority. He's above the president. He's above uh, whatever authorities we have in our life. God is above all. And if you'd all turn in your Bibles with me to James chapter number 4. And in James chapter number 4, it talks about submission to God. And it also talks about uh, God's uh, working in a submissive person's life. And in James chapter 4, in verse 7, it says, Submitting yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And then in verse 10 it says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. And as we submit to God, as, as we obey God's leading in our life, as we're thankful, as we say, you know what, God, I don't understand what you're doing, but I'm going to be thankful in it, in it anyways, and I'm going to go forward. And as you're submissive and thankful to God, in verse 10 it says, humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he shall lift you up. As we're willing to uh, to obey those authorities in our life as we're willing to obey God and His authority in our life. He will lift us up. He will lift us into a greater position. It might not always be, oh, I'm going to be manager now because I'm submissive to God. Um, that, that's not always the case, but God will lift you up. He will bless you and work in your life in a special way, a way um, more so than He would if you weren't submissive. If you're not submissive, the Bible teaches about chastisement. And it talks about, uh, he'll give you a spanking. But if you are submissive, it talks about he will lift you up. He'll do more so for you. 
he'll, he'll bless you in a greater way if you're just submissive to God. And we need to be first and foremost submissive, uh, submissive to God. And then also we need to be submissive to each other. And um, in Ephesians chapter 5, it talks about the three relationships we're to be submissive in. The three relationships that we all need to work at. And if you'd all turn in your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5. And if in Ephesians 5, um, the second half of that chapter, uh, the first half uh, talks about different things and talks about being filled with the Spirit. And then just several verses down, in verse 21 it says, uh, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. And then the very next verse says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. And then in verse 25 it says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And then in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And if you would go back to Colossians chapter 3, it would state the same three relationships. Say wives, husbands, and children. And the first one that's stated is, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Now, in this passage, the husband and the wife are pictured as uh, parts of the relationship between Christ and the church. And marriage is to be a picture between Christ and the church. Christ loved the church and died for the church. And, uh, and also the, wife is, the husband is a picture of, the, of Christ and the wife is a picture of the church. And in verse 24 it says, Therefore as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now what this, these verses are not teaching is that the wife is the hired servant of the husband. And sometimes people try and say that, and it's the farthest thing from the truth. The church is not the hired servant of Christ. Christ doesn't uh, chain us up and say, you need to do this, or I'll just take you right now. <laughs> and it talks about the love between Christ and the church. It talks about how the wife willingly obeys because the husband is a good and uh, a loving husband, and it's not... <laughs> The husband is not some overruler over the wife, uh, but the husband is a lover of the wife, is, a, is commanded to love and to, uh, to have a sacrificial love for the wife. And uh, in verses 28 and 29 it says, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. And you could look in Colossians where it says Christ is the head of the body, the church. And we can see that the church is a part of Christ. And just like in marriage, the husband and the wife become one flesh. And it's such an amazing picture of Christ and the church. And we are to, uh, husbands are to love their wives. The, the wives are to submit to their husbands. And I submit that we should, uh, just like to uh, submitting to God, we should submit to the other authorities in our life. And just like we are to love God, we should love the authorities in our life. We may not always agree with those authorities in our life, but we should love them and understand God has put them there for a reason. And we can see this amazing picture that God has given us uh, between Christ and the church and how the wives and the husbands are to, uh, to work with one another. And then finally it talks about uh, the children. In, verse, in chapter 6, verse 1, it says, 
Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. Now, when I was a kid, I looked at that and said, man, I want to live old. I want to, because if you look back, the passage talks about <laughs> to live a long life and uh, the, in the Ten Commandments, and that if you obeyed your parents, uh, the way I looked at it was, man, you're going to live a long life. And that is true. But there are other factors that add into that as well. But that can be, a, you can tell your kids, man, if you want to live past your 20, you better obey me. <laughs> and uh, you could use uh, threats like that, and I guess that might work until... Uh, they grow a little older and realize that you're just full of yourself and you can't really uh, promise that. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, the, it is proven that if you do obey your parents, you will live longer. And, uh, and we all should truly, uh, even when you're an adult, you should obey your parents. And uh, you're not necessarily under their authority like you were when you were a kid, but you should still obey your parents. They still know a thing or two more than you know, even though it might not always seem that way. It might seem that they're senile and old and have no idea what they're talking about. But they do have wisdom that you might not understand. And we all should obey uh, that authority in our lives. We should obey our parents. And the Lord will really bless that. And, uh, and it says, obey and honor your parents. Now, obeying, you can obey somebody and not really want to obey them. Say, okay, fine. I'll, like, if, if my mom were to ask me, Nick, go take out the trash. I could say, oh, whatever. Okay, fine. I'll, I'll go take out the trash. And then I go take out the trash and, and then come back. How many of you would think that that would be honoring to your parent? If you just kind of blew them off and said, fine, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll do it when I feel like it. And you, you do obey. You do take the garbage out. But you're not being honoring to them. The Bible commands us to not only obey, but to honor. And to honor our parents and to honor the authority in our life. And we should be willing to obey in the right spirit. And not just in the spirit saying, okay, whatever, fine, I'll, I'll do this because I have to. So whatever, I'll, I'll just do it. But we should have the spirit saying, okay, you know what? God's put this authority in my life. I know I might not agree with it. I might not want to, but I'm going to go do it. I'm going to do it with the right spirit. And that's the kind of spirit we need to have as Christians. And, and then in closing, if you turn in uh, 1 Peter chapter number 5, and talking about submission, uh, submission should really be an evident part of our lives. And in 1 Peter chapter number 5, uh, Peter talks about submission. And he talks about how that we all need to live a submissive life. We all need to... Uh, make that a, a real evident part of our lives. And in, uh, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. And this verse kind of ties everything together. As you, you submit, um, you'll just see the Lord working in your life, and God resists the proud. And as we humble ourselves that we see God work in an amazing way. And what I want to really key in on, it says, be clothed with humility. Your humility, your submission, your way of life, it should be as evident as the clothes you're wearing. And many people, they'll wear a certain style of clothes because they want to relate and they want to uh, relate themselves with a certain style of people. Uh, they might want to look like um, the rocker crowd, so they'll wear the, the tore-up jeans and the chains or whatever, or they want to look like 
uh, the gangster crowd in the world, the super huge clothes that don't fit at all, or, or they want to look like whatever crowd it is. You can tell if somebody is uh, with some certain group by the way they're dressed. And people should tell that you are a Christian, that you are spirit-filled by the way you act. It should be as evident as the clothes you're wearing on your back. And our, our humility, our submission, our obedience, our thankfulness, and the music we listen to should all just be as evident as the clothes we're wearing. And really, the key here is to just be able to realize that being filled with the Spirit will really change your life. To be filled with the Spirit will have some real effects and real changes in your life. It won't just be some tingly feeling you feel all over, because it's definitely not that. It's a true uh, working of the Spirit in and through your life. And we need to have a musical heart, really have the correct music in our lives, bringing us to greater praise and glory to God. We should have a thankful heart, being willing to be thankful to God at all times and in everything, and to have a submissive heart, willing to, uh, to obey the authority in our life. And all of this should just be as evident as the clothes we are wearing on our back. And I know if each and every one of us lives a life like that, then truly people will see a difference in your life. And that will open up opportunities for you to, to witness to people, opportunities to be a blessing to people, opportunities to just see the Lord work in an amazing way as His Spirit is working in and through you. Because it's the Holy Spirit of God that will work in a person. Uh, they'll work, he'll work in a person's heart and open them. He'll work in a person's heart and convince them to come to church or do whatever. God's Holy Spirit will work in and through you as you are filled with Him and yielded to His Spirit. And I just want to encourage you to be clothed with humility and clothed and focused on being filled with the Spirit of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, that uh, you've given us these amazing truths in your word about being filled with the Spirit and really being a different and a peculiar people. And Lord, I just pray that you'd help us to, uh, to have the right music, Lord, to be a thankful people, to be a submissive people, Lord. I just praise you so much for your word and just uh, the gift of your spirit, Lord. And I just pray that you'd work in an amazing way in our lives and help us to really grab onto this truth and be clothed with these truths, Lord. And we'll thank you for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.